Pastor Ed Taylor exhorts us to know who we are and live accordingly. I want, I believe the Lord wants us to be the church. You're born again. You're already the church. So be the church. Not just here. Here is a time of equipping. Here is where I get to fulfill my mandate from God to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's why we spend so much time teaching the Bible. That's why we have incorporated prayer. That's why we follow the example of the book of Acts. To the Why? Because I want you to be equipped in the word so you can do the work of the ministry. So collectively, we all do the work of the ministry. Why? Because we are a royal priesthood, it says here. This is amazing grace. We are delighted to be with you and welcome again to Abounding Grace. We'll hand things back over to Pastor Ed Taylor in just a second. We're in 1 Peter chapter 2, uncovering our true identity in Christ. And when you realize who you are, it affects how you live in tremendous ways. For instance, you'll stay away from sin and live to please God. But first, Pastor Ed explains that God never forces himself on anyone. His love and grace can be rejected and resisted. Sadly, more often than not, it is. The Bible couldn't be clearer. You can resist the grace of God if you choose. God will not force you and make you, against your will, follow him. And just this one text should be enough. Where whole nations reject Jesus Christ. His own nation rejected him. He came to his own, the Bible says. And so don't think that you're going to be saved against your will. Like one day, I'll never be saved, I'll never be saved. And then you wake up one morning and go, oh, I guess, I guess I'm saved. I didn't know when, I don't know how it happened, but I guess I am now. Grace can be resisted. I warn you against that. I warn you against hearing the word of God and disobeying it. I warn you against hearing that your sins can be forgiven that your life can be made whole. And your response is, I don't believe in God. Because the Bible says a fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That's a foolish thing to say. I know it's a popular thing to say in our culture today, but it's foolish to say there is no God. It is foolish. You know, Darwinian humanistic, theo- um, humanistic evolution didn't exist till the 1800s. Darwin wasn't alive until the 1800s. That's when he introduced it and it became very popular over the years. A whole system of theory that replaces God with a humanistic way of explaining things that doesn't even make sense in and of itself. A careful study of Darwinian uh, evolution would show you that, man, it takes more faith to believe in that than it does in the truth of God's word. I mean, it is full of fiction and theory, and it's simply untrue. But it's easier. At least it's perceived as easier. Because if you don't have God in your philosophy of life, then you're only accountable to yourself. And you know as well as I do, you cut yourself a lot of slack. You let yourself get away with a lot. 
you and I are so self-protective that we will fight against the work of God from the inside. We'll deny our own sin. We'll argue against it. It's, we will cover ourselves in pride and arrogance just to stay away from where, I don't know how many would, would see this in their own life, but you'll fight and you'll fight and you'll fight and you'll fight. You'll make your life miserable for two weeks, four months, maybe years and years. You're just like, no, nobody convinced me. And you're just getting harder and harder and harder when the whole situation could have just been solved by saying, will you forgive me? And you could have enjoyed four months, four years. That's you, that's me. And God is inside of us, born again of the Spirit to help us. He's alive. We have something that's immovable in our lives. When everything else around us is falling apart, when the nations are going haywire, the governments, the economies, the freedoms, as the world unravels in these last days right before our eyes, Jesus has joined us to himself by faith. And we come to the chief cornerstone. They stumble, it says in verse 8, because they're disobedient to the word. Well, you can stumble too by being disobedient to the word of God. So notice now the contrast. This is the good news. Verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim, notice, the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people. Is, can you think of when you were, like, when I read that, I almost automatically go, Amen. I remember when I was not a people. I remember when I wasn't a believer. I remember it's like so much in front of me constantly, but I'm not. Now, I wasn't a people, but now you're the people of God. Isn't that great? Just relish in that for a second. You are not a people. Like Ephesians says, you had aimless wandering. Some of you were just so rebellious, so angry, so bitter, but now you are a people. You're not just a people. You're not just a nation. Your identity is not just in a nation. Your identity is not just your last name. Your identity is not just in your marriage or your parenting. You are the people of God. God Almighty has a relationship with you. <laughs> Man, that's like we just take that so for granted, Lord. Thank you for adopting me into your family. Before it says in verse 10, we had not obtained the mercy, but now we've obtained mercy. As Jesus came to the earth, died, and rose again, he never intended for a priesthood to be established. He never intended that people would have to come through an earthly man or an earthly woman to have fellowship and relationship with God. Jesus came to give direct access to God by faith. We learned that before. We have one mediator, not two, not three, between man and God, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus died for that access. He didn't die to create a religious system that just maybe one day you might get to God if you go through all the right channels and say all the right things and sit in the box and confess your sins and, and, and go through all the religious motions. That's not, that's not why Jesus died. To bring you in. He, Jesus didn't die to bring you into religious bondage. He died to set you free. That you can come directly to God. We learned this in Hebrews as well. It's such a great study. He, you can come directly into the throne room of grace to find help in time of need. Immediately, at any time. Jesus is your only mediator. And if you read this correctly, 
we're, notice in verse 9, we're the chosen generation. We, we, every generation is chosen. But as you're reading it in real time, we're a chosen generation. But we're also a priest. We're a royal priesthood. Imagine that. We would have never thought of being a priest in that technical sense. But the Bible says you are. You're a royal priesthood. You're a priest and I'm a priest together. Men and women, boys and girls, born again. All of us form this holy priesthood that have access to God. We can go anytime into his presence. We don't have to fear him as the priests of old needed to on the day of atonement. We're not, we were once not a people, but now we are a people. And, and we believe, and this is a phrase you may hear, you may not hear, but here at Calvary, and I think most churches, you know, most churches that are consistent with the Bible believe this, but I can verbalize it for us. We believe in what's known as the priesthood of all believers. Because that's what the Bible says. We're all priests. So we change that around so that it's described. We believe in the priesthood of all believers, which can be translated this way. You are part of the body of Christ and God wants to use you. Nobody's more special than anyone else. You are now in the ministry. Now. Not because I said so, but because you're born again. You're now in the ministry, wherever you are. Sometimes this priesthood kind of gets lost in the formal religion, but so does the word minister. When you think of minister, you think, well, Ed, that's you. You're a minister. You're a pastor. So you are very special. I'm not a minister. You're a minister. But the Bible teaches otherwise. We're all ministers of the gospel. Ministry just speaks of servant. You're all servants. So it doesn't matter where your paycheck comes from. Well, you know, Ed, you're an official professional pastor because you probably get a paycheck from the church. Well, I do get a paycheck from the church. But it doesn't make me professional. It's just where God has me. For many years, I got a paycheck from an ambulance company. I was a minister of the gospel there too. For many years, I got a paycheck from a mortuary company. That's who, that's who I worked for. They, I was a minister of the gospel there too. For a little bit of time, I got a paycheck from McDonald's. I wasn't a minister there <laughs> because I wasn't saved back then. <laughs> you know how long I, just on a side note, just, you know how long I lasted at McDonald's? Four weeks. Miraculously. It doesn't matter where your paycheck comes from, whether the U.S. government signs it because you work up at Buckley. It doesn't matter if Costco signs your paycheck or Kohl's, Chick-fil-A, or perhaps your paycheck is in a different way because you stay home, you raise the kids, you are home, maybe taking care of the home. It doesn't, you're unemployed right now. It doesn't matter what status of life. The Bible says you are in the full-time ministry. Why? Because you are a part of a royal priesthood. And one of the ways we're communicating that this year and I think it's going to stay with us until the Lord returns. I think you're going to hear this constantly for the rest. I mean, who knows, but I have a feeling. And one of the ways we've been communicating it this year in 2021 is that I, want, I, want, I believe the Lord wants us to be the church. You're born again. You're already the church. So be the church. Not just here. Here is a time of equipping. Here is where I get to fulfill my mandate from God to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's why we spend so much time teaching the Bible. That's why we have incorporated prayer. That's why we follow the example of the book of Acts. To the why? Because I want you to be equipped in the word so you can do the work of the ministry. So collectively, we all do the work of the ministry. Why? Because we are a royal priesthood, it says here. Thirdly, a holy nation. 
a set-apart group of people. That's our nationality. Our nationality is spiritual. We are citizens of heaven and then citizens of earth. Our nationality is our identity in Christ. We're his, and then he gets to that, then you're his own special people. You're very special to him in a positive way. You're special. He called you out of darkness, it says, into his marvelous light. And then notice now, with all that in mind, as we wind down, check this out in verse 11. Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners, if you like to write in your Bible, circle that word, you can write next to it wanderers or pilgrims, not aimless wandering, but like you're just passing through, sojourners, pilgrims. I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Wait a minute. Now we had lay aside, then we had desire. Now he gets back and he says, consider your identity, know who you are. Now stay away from. So laying aside implies that you're already involved in it. Get rid of it. Desire means it's not in your life, so want it more. And now abstaining means stay away from. That's a big part of the Christian life, uh, following Jesus. You look unto Jesus and you stay away. Notice what he says. Fleshly things, these lusts that war against your soul. One of the things as we've been watching this unfold in 2020 and, you know, forever on, but especially through 2020 and all the things that we, that Marie has been using this phrase around the house, reminding us of what Lot had to deal with when he lived in Sodom. Remember, the Bible describes that it, that what was happening in Sodom vexed his soul. I mean, it just got right down to the core of who he was and plagued his inner man. I'm sure you felt like that. I mean, maybe you've gotten angry. Maybe you've gotten frustrated. Maybe you, you know, have had to voice your opinion or whatever. But I'm sure that some of you, if not all of you, have what you've been feeling is your soul has been vexed. It's been injured. You look around and you see it, not just because of a country going sideways, not just because of, of all the racial tensions and the things that people are doing to each other, but the result of it. How can you not just be so sad and troubled when people are taken advantage of, when people are maligned? Because it's all about people. They're the ones that pay the price. We just are considering what the devastating sin of abortion has done just in our own country. And how can your soul not be vexed with 65 million babies being murdered in the womb and not just your soul be vexed? Maybe you didn't even know that's what it was. You've just been so sick to your stomach at the evil in this world. And your soul's been vexed. And Peter's like, as, as they're all going through this and they're all going through difficulties, he's like, stay away from the lusts that go right after your soul. Why would we participate in things that are going to destroy our soul? Having now, and now the positive side in verse 12, having now your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, which believe me, brother and sisters, that's going to happen. If it hasn't already, when you're spoken of as an evildoer, when the church is just a, when the church is said to be a drain on society, when the church is looked upon in the society as, as the evil, the evil, <laughs> they look at the good that you desire to do in God's name because he's changed you and saved you. And you just want to give back to your community. You just want to help people get right. You want to help people get sober. You want to help people save marriage. Just because you just want to love and help and serve like your Savior. And the response is you're evil. 
We don't want you here. You're spreading hatred. You're in all the different narratives that are, that this is happening. It's like, this is not when, it's now. But here's the position. The position in that time is that as you're journeying through, you know this is not your home, you're, you're being faithful, you're, you're taking care of the inner man, the inner woman, you're abstaining from fleshly lust, and your conduct is honorable. You need to measure your life. Your conduct needs to be honorable. Honorable to who? To the Lord. He's the measuring. You don't, you don't measure me. We're not going to ask you, you know, in the front, when we stop RSVPing here soon, and then you're at the door and we go, oh, we don't want to be anymore, but we just want to know, do you have an honorable life? And we got a checklist. Click, click, click. Oh, that's just, no, it's between you and the Lord. It's your life. Your conduct has to be honorable unto God. He's with you. The, the inward witness of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because there are going to be people, the Gentiles, unbelievers is a phrase here, the people persecuting you, the people coming after you, the people watching you, have your conduct honorable that when they speak against you as evildoers, what? They may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Your good works send a message to a world that hates you and comes against you. Not your bad works, your good works. Not your fleshly lusts, but your spiritual surrender. They're going to speak to this world. And here's the thing. We don't hear about it off very often. I don't expect to hear about it very much. Because notice the time frame. They're going to glorify God when? In the day of visitation. <laughs> They're going to glorify God. That could be a reference to his second coming. Could be a reference to the rapture. It could be a reference, a reference specifically to that day appointed visitation of God to them individually. But we're not going to be, on, we're not, we don't want honorable works so that we can get applause and, oh, good, great, good, what you did. Any of that kind of attention has to be a glorifying of God in that day of visitation. That means you and I, we can get in the way. We can either cooperate with God and be used by him, or we can get in the way of his work in people's lives. How? By our conduct. Well, what kind of conduct? Dishonorable. Yeah, but they're, look at all the things they're saying about us. Yeah. This is first century, folks. 2,000 years ago, Peter wrote this. The Holy Spirit inspired this. When they speak evil about you, and they call you evildoers, it's just one of the reasons why they justify persecuting, that by your good works, they observe and glorify God in the day of visitation. This works in a, in a country, a national setting, a worldwide setting. It works in a home, in a marriage. It works as parents. It works as kids. This applies to every relationship. You know, Peter here, when he says in verse 11, I beg you, you know, usually begging, when begging is involved, it usually is for selfish things. You know, we're begging for something. Oh, I beg you. And it's for something that we really, really want that's being held back. Like our kids sometimes, you know, we say no to something and they keep begging, begging, begging. You know, they want it. But biblically, when a spiritual leader is begging, he's usually begging not for selfishness, but for selfless, other-centered actions. He's saying, guys, I know what you're going through. Your persecution's not lost on me. But I beg you, don't use the persecution as an excuse to live a sinful life. Don't use how you're being treated as an excuse for a sinful life. Don't return evil for evil. Peter begs us, stay away from sinful things. Stay away. 
It's going to make things worse, not better. Keep your lives honorable among the world. Let your good works be seen so God might be glorified. As we look around our community and see where we might take the gospel to someone in a real way, we offer ourselves to the Lord. We offer our praise to the Lord. We offer our help to others as the body of Christ. And here we are gathered as living stones. Here we are gathered as a holy priesthood. And we need to remember that we have a new identity in Christ that supersedes all other identities. Everything comes after your identity in Christ. Everything is seen through your new identity in Christ. We need to remember that and put it at the forefront of our lives. All the differences that separate man are solved in Christ. I think that if we were just to take time and have a testimony night here, but just emphasize all the places we came from, we would be a very divided room. You know, some of you were into this sin. Some of you were into that sin. Some of you were over there. Some of you like this. Some of you, I mean, just think of just a, something simple and just un, like unimportant. Can you imagine all the differences and division in this room just over music preferences? Especially you people that like country music. What's wrong with you? <laughs> just there's one right there. But all the musical preferences, it's not just style of music, it's, it's singers, it's time frame, it's whether you like the vinyl, or you like the new MP3s, or you like, like it's just, that we could go on and on of all the differences, but those, that's not a really significant difference. But the color of our skin, that's pretty serious. It's taken away in Christ. We honor people, because we love you, we love each other. When, when I think of what language you speak, that's taken away in Christ. I respect you for whatever language you speak. Praise God, you know, two, three, five, ten. Maybe, maybe even today you're listening right now, and we've had this many times where you don't know English, and I don't know your language, so somebody in between us is literally translating this word for word in your ear. And so whatever language you learn, I wish I knew it, but I'm so glad that person's in your ear telling you that God loves you and has a plan for your life. Uh, it's, you don't, I, I'm sorry that I don't speak your language. I wish I did, but I don't judge you because you don't speak English. I mean, you think of it, political differences. Oh, how many political differences could we bring up today? But listen, you're a citizen of heaven. Politics are going to come and go. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I think of what brings all the differences, you know, ethnic, racial, political. I mean, there is no room for racism. There is no room for prejudging people by the color of their skin, by the language, by where they live, what they have, what they don't have, what they look like, what they smell like, what sin they're into. Man, in Christ, He changed you, church. He did. He changed you. And the greatest joy you'll have in life is to cooperate with that change. And receive people with the mind and the eyes of Christ. It's a beautiful thing when you start to value people the way Jesus valued people. And you say, well, Ed, well, how did Jesus value people? He died for you. He died for you and me. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. He's leading a study from 1 Peter. You can find our studies online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. And they're also accessible through our app, 
as well. Do a search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play and look for us on Apple Podcasts. Well, here in the month of December, we picked out a timely resource we think you'll enjoy and get a lot out of. It's called The Case for Christmas. So who was in the manger that first Christmas morning? Not everyone agrees on the answer to that. If he was the divine son of God, how do you know for sure? Well, Lee Strobel investigates in The Case for Christmas, and we'll send it to you when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more today. Please make your request by phone at 877-30-GRACE or order it online at calvaryco.store. Also remember that it's through your support that we're able to bring Abounding Grace to your radio station every day. With your help, countless thousands of people are hearing the truth of God's Word all over the nation and world at a time in human history where they really need to hear it, too. We can be reached toll-free at 877-30-GRACE, or you can make a donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Set aside another half hour to join us tomorrow when we'll dig deeper into First Peter with Pastor Ed Taylor here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.